Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, again, we welcome everybody. If you're joining us for the first time, we give you a warm welcome. And we're continuing on just uh, from last week on the same theme, uh, the faith of our fathers. And this week's title is The Faith of Our Fathers Today. So just one word added to the title, but the faith of our fathers. We were looking historically at the faith of our fathers uh, and biblically and bringing it through from generation to generation. And that faith, because there's one faith, that same faith, we're going to look at it, that, 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 that that's the faith of this book, and it's the faith that should be operative in the church of Jesus Christ today. So the faith of our fathers today. If you have your Bibles, we're turning over to Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Romans 4. And verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, if you turn uh, to well-known scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. We've been looking last week at the faith of our fathers. Um, Romans 4 is speaking specifically of Abraham, known as the father of the faith, and we see here that he was strong in faith and he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he, God himself, was also able to perform. And we turn into Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible defines faith. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now this well-known verse, these verses here in Hebrews chapter 11, the amplified version, just again to expand it a little bit, it says, Now faith is the assurance, in brackets, the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Listen to that again. Faith comprehends as fact that which cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And for by this, this faith, this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. So listen carefully again as we look at, at this subject of faith, the faith of our fathers. I believe it's a significant time as we're on this subject, the faith of our fathers. It's Father's Day, and we wish all our fathers a blessed Father's Day today. But this faith is crucial, the faith of our fathers. This is the faith that they possessed but this is the faith that the faith that they functioned in, that they operated in. The faith, the assurance, the things that they hoped for, that God had divinely promised them. It was the evidence of the things that they did not see. In other words, the conviction of the reality. Although God had promised them in the natural, they did not see them. It was not physically something that they could, 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 could grasp. But faith comprehended as fact what cannot be experienced in the physical senses. It's not what you see, but faith sees beyond the temporal, sees beyond the physical. And, for, and by this faith, it was this type of faith that the men of old, the fathers of our faith, gained divine approval of God. You know, the Bible says, as we know, when we look at these verses so many times, I believe they're crucial too, because when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. That's why I believe it's important to keep bringing these type of messages to you. This faith, this faith, the Bible says, without faith, 
It's impossible to please him, that is God, for, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, just after those couple of verses, the great chapter of the heroes of the faith, we then find a generational catalog of faith that passes as the Bible begins to show us a catalogue of faith from generation to generation, faith that is passed on from one generation to the next, notable men and women of God that operated and functioned in faith and believe in God, even though that they did not see, but they believed what God had said, and they, by that faith, were able to apprehend and they were able to grasp the promises of God, and by that faith, God was pleased with them, and they found approval in God. And so we see as we go through Hebrews 11, you can read that later, we see this generation after generation, men, women, that, that grasped the truth of faith and walked in obedience to faith and paid the price to serve God. They, there was a cost in operating in this faith, but they were unwavering. They were not blown off course. But they might have heard many opinions. They might have had to go through many things, many trials of their faith. But they were steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor was not in vain. They were set. They were men that were set. They had set their faces as it were. They had, they had, they had burnt their bridges. They had, they had, they had sold up. They'd gone forth and they believed God for the promises that He'd given them. They, they were men that took God at His word. They were women that, that simply took what God had said and nothing could shift them. As it were, that, that sword would cleave to their hand. They were unmovable. You can't shift them off what God has said. And they were willing to give all for what they believe. They give everything. And in this great chapter of faith, from victory to victory, through faith, the faith of God functioning in their lives, believing God against all the odds and against all the popular opinion of their day. Men simply took God at his word, stepped out in obedience, paid the price. You know, there is a price in serving God, the costliness of service. You know, that is that is something so precious in the sight of God where men pay a price. It's not so popular today in the world that we live in, the church world, of having to pay a price for anything. But, you know, when, when we look at these men of faith, they were willing to give up. They were willing to surrender all. They were willing to move. They were willing to leave in order that they would enter into the purposes of God for their lives. They were willing to pay the price and go through times of great difficulties or trials because they seen beyond the natural realm. And if our whole focus is always on the natural, on the material, on the things that we have, brothers and sisters, it'd be always very difficult if that becomes the most important thing or the priority of our lives, the comforts of our homes, the comforts of our lives, then we'll stay in that place but never move in to the full purpose of what God has for us. And so they would rise up and faith and believe God and they would go from victory unto victory and that baton of faith, as it were, that men moved into would be passed to the next generation and they would rise up with the same faith as the, as the generation before them, believe in the Lord and stepping out into the purposes of God, standing on the promises of Christ our King, knowing that what He had said He would do, that He is also able to perform it, that God was able to do what He said He would do. And friends, this morning we were living in an age where the, the, the backdrop of where we are as we're coming into those last days, as Jesus said that in those last days, when he comes, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? That's what he said. Will he find faith? I believe it's one faith, this faith of this book. Will he find that faith upon the earth? You know, these men would pass on to the next generation what they had paid for, what they had sacrificed for, what they had moved into. And then another generation would come. And we're going to come 
the, this probably next week, but you know what what is it what is it that we're going to give the generation that we're a part of, but not only this generation, what what will I give to the generation that comes after me? What will I leave them as an example of faith? Now in John chapter four and verse thirty seven, Jesus said these words, remember it was the, the words that he spake concerning that great harvest of fields are white on the harvest. And in John 4, 37, he said these words, And herein is that saying true, one sows and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Look what he's saying. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's talking about there's a harvest of precious souls. And he's saying to them, I'm sending you into something that you did not labor for. Other men have labored for this. Now, the reference there, of course, is the prophets before them. Perhaps it's John the Baptist preaching the message of repentance. Perhaps it's Christ's ministry himself. But we know, we know that whether one sows or one reaps, unless God gives the increase, it's only God can give the increase. So here he's speaking to them, saying, you're going to enter into something, but other men have labored for that. There was something beyond just the, the, the realm of time itself, that in God, that men would labor, men would give themselves for something that a generation behind them would come in and be able to reap. And we see the principle of this in, in the Word of God. Man would make the step. Man would, man would ply the ground. Man would sow the seed. But there would be another generation that would come and they would do the reaping. And that's faith. Faith takes us beyond what, what we currently see. Sometimes we might feel that there's no increase. We might feel that there seems to be no profit. There's not an increase in what we're doing or, or in the particular area that we serve in or where we minister that we don't necessarily see a great increase. But I want to tell you, friend, faith sees beyond knowing that what we sow, we shall also reap. And if we sow the precious word of God, then there will be a time of increase and so even today, in this place, right here in Balnehens, right in this town, we know that we are entering into other men's labors, men that have gone before us, men that have prayed, men, men that have sold, men that have held missions, men that have, men that have come to pioneer works and so forth. And we enter in, as it were, to those labors because there's been other men before us with faith and women that prayed and believed God. And so we enter into their labors. But what will we leave the generation behind us? Will they have something to enter into? Will they have something to go into to reap? Will they have something to enter into as God would give the increase that they would reap the harvest? This is the principles of faith, of sowing and of reaping. We might sow, we might labor, we might labor for years and see very little, but another man could come right behind us in the principle of God's word with faith in his heart, enter into your labors and see a precious harvest of precious souls. Jesus says you're entering into another man's labor. Enter into those labors, but the harvest is white. The fields are white. What will the generation behind us enter into? And we're going to come to that soon. But what will they enter into by the lives that we're living, by the labor that we are, that we are engaged in? You know, the laborers, Jesus said, are few. Pray for laborers in his field to bring in that harvest. But only God can give the increase. Now, when you see the parable of, the, the parallel, sorry, of faith in the Bible, or the generational line of faith, what you see parallel to that is also a generational line of unbelief. There's basically two camps in that. There is a camp of faith. Hebrews 11 goes through that great camp of faith. And then there's the whole camp, <coughs> excuse me, of generational, a generational line of unbelief. Now, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, these are important verses because the Bible tells us that they're written for us. 
And you'll see the parallel line. There's a line of faith and there's also a line that runs of unbelief. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1. Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ So here we see as our fathers passed through under the cloud, they all were baptized, they all did eat, they all passed through and they were all baptized and they all did eat the same spiritual meat and they all drank the same spiritual drink and that rock was Christ. But verse 5 says, so we see they all came through. But with many of them was God not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now verse 6 says this. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not, not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now look at the neithers here of verse 7 and right through. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them as it is written, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Verse 8 says, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Verse 9, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom, listen to the words that we know well, but on upon whom the ends of the world are now come. So what we see here is there was a people that came through, they went across and they came through that Red Sea and they were all baptized, they all ate of the same spiritual meat and the same spiritual drink. They had the same privilege, every one of them. They heard the same message. They drank from the same rock. They had the same sustenance. They listened to the same word. They heard it all. They seen the same miraculous hand that everyone had seen. They seen God's great blessing upon them. You know, they were delivered out of Pharaoh's hand. They were brought out of Egypt and out of bondage. They seen the great miraculous hand of God as they put the blood on the doorposts and the lintel of their homes and the angel of death, like the plague that sweeps our nations at this time, passed over them. And God miraculously delivered them. They, they, they took the gold and the silver of, of, of all the Egyptians and they filled their pockets and they marched out of Egypt rank and file. Not even a dog was permitted to bark at them. God had gloriously set them free, brought them to the Red Sea. They seen the hand and the miraculous power of God at the Red Sea when the sea opened and they were led through by the power of God. And we see that the Pharaoh's army was destroyed and they got on the other side. They rejoiced. They, they give praise to God at the great deliverance hand of Almighty God. They, they seen God's great hand. They all passed through. They all were baptized of that baptism of Moses. They all came through. They ate of the same spiritual meat. They drank from that rock which was Christ. They heard. They drank. They seen. They tasted. They seen it all. But the Bible says that God was not well pleased with some of them. Even though they heard it, friends, this is written for us upon whom the ends of the world has come. We hear the finest of God's word being taught to us in all the different avenues of the ministry of of this church and many churches. We have sat under the great teachers of our day. We have an abundance of messages We have everything all at the touch of a finger. We don't even have to get off our chair in order to listen to the Word of God. And even that can be too much for some to turn it on. 
And yet in all of what we hear and all of what we've been given and all of what we've tasted and all of what we've seen, the great miraculous hand of God and the provision of God, yet the Bible warns us here of a generation of unbelievers Believing unbelievers, unbelieving believers, if there's such a thing, and I believe there is, that did not enter into the fullness of what God had purposed for them. Here we see that we're not to be like them, even though they were examples that are set before us. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. You know, there doesn't seem, if you look at that, they sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. When you just look at that for what it is, you would say, of course, there's no sin in what they were doing. It doesn't look terribly sinful that they sat down to eat, they sat down to drink, and they rose up to play. But you know beyond that phrase, it's so much more, because he begins with saying, neither be ye idolaters. You know, they began to live, it was so selfish, living for themselves. They were only interested in their own comforts. They were only interested in looking after number one. They were only interested in what they had. There was no sacrifice for a world that they believed in, that God had brought them out, and a a land that he had promised. They murmured, they complained, they tempted the Lord Jesus. It says they tempted Christ in that wilderness. And then let us commit fornication and they fell in that wilderness. They murmured. They complained. The Bible said these are written. This is in the New Testament. And is written for us upon whom the ends of the world have come. Neither do ye murmur. You know the power of that tongue. The poison that can come out of a mouth. Friends, this morning we see as they murmured and they complained. They were constantly given off. And friends, this morning, these are all written for our examples. There was a generational, uh, as it were, passing down of that unbelief as much as there was a generation of faith that was passed down. And in that, you must know, in Hebrews chapter 3, because it's important, it's important for us to know that there's consequences by just ignoring Scripture and saying, well, I can, I can do what I want. I can live what way I want. Friends, this is not to say that you're not saved this morning, but it is about entering into all that God has for you and what God has for me and what God has for us as a people. But in Hebrews 3 and verse 8, it says, There harden not your hearts as in the as in the provocation, in the day of temptation and in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. God was grieved with how they responded to his great hand. And friends, this morning it doesn't, it doesn't, there's nothing within us but grief in our hearts when we see an apathy that's found in the church of Jesus Christ today. When we see that Laodicean spirit when, when there's no passion for the work of God, there's no service for the work of God, no matter how insignificant that may be, whatever it is, friends, but when we see no passion for the things of God, when we see that spirit of laziness just creeping into the church of Jesus Christ, you know, this is a privilege to serve God. It's a privilege to be on this platform this morning. It's an honor to stand with this book open and to preach the gospel. It's an honor to do it. It's not something to be taken lightly. Whatever capacity we serve in, whatever we can do in that body in order to serve and to serve with the right heart and to serve fervently the things of God. Friends, this morning we see that they did not enter in they have not known the way of the Lord. They didn't know God's ways, yet they've seen the great hand of God. I've seen the great miracles of God. That's what they could say. I've seen the great hand of the Lord in Egypt. I've seen his great delivering power. I've seen him open red seas. I've seen him do all the great miracles, but yet God says, but you don't know my way. You don't know the way that I want to lead you. You don't know the way to enter into the fullness of what I have for you. And so they just enjoyed themselves. The Bible calls it idolatry. 
All they were out for was themselves, their own comforts. They don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to give. They don't want to, they don't want to lose anything. They're trying to save this life. They're trying to keep everything. And yet faith sees beyond the temporal and sees that which is the eternal. That's why men at the pinnacle of life that were high up in government like Moses would leave all the riches of that world. He would leave everything and we could sing the song and we do. I would rather have Jesus than silver and gold. He would leave it all, the position, the pomp and the pride and everything of what man would look and aspire to be. And he'd say, I'd rather have Christ. I would rather forsake all of this and that I may know this God, that I may know this Christ. Jesus said in his word in Hebrews 3 and 10, they have not known my ways. They have not known my ways. At the, towards the end of that chapter, verse 19, look what it says. So we see they could not enter in because of their own belief. They, they did not enter into what God had for them. That's what it's saying. What God had purposed, what God's will was, what God's divine promise was, that I'm bringing you out, but I'm going to bring you in. God was promising them a land. God had promised them Canaan. God said, this is the place that I have chosen for my people Israel. And he says here, they could not enter in because of their own belief. We see the parallel. There's faith that runs from generation to generation. Hebrews chapter 11 covers that uh, to some degree. But we also see another parallel. It's a parallel of unbelief. It's a parallel of those that even though they see and they taste and they experience, but they did not enter in because of their own belief. They did not know the ways of the Lord. These are murmurers and complainers. These are people that are more interested in saving themselves and hanging on to all their riches in this world, holding on to their comforts, no sacrifice, no service, nothing. Friends, this morning, are we a people of faith? You know, they did not fulfill their purpose in God as he intended because of an unbelieving heart. Oh, friends, this morning I pray, may God give us the faith of this book, the faith of God in our hearts. Not only may he give us the faith, which I believe he has, but may we function in that faith. It's important to function. I want to tell you, if we're going to function in that faith, listen to me this morning. This is not something cheap. This is not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. But if we're going to function in that faith, there's going to be a price and there's going to be a cost. What happened here is important because we look at these men of faith as we did last week with Joshua and his dear friend and close friend, Caleb. If we turn to Joshua chapter 14, I know some of these verses are very well known. But after that whole time of testing and trial and wilderness experience of 40 years, then they pass over. They're passing over into the Jordan. And Joshua chapter 14 and verse 10, Caleb says these words. Now listen to the words of Caleb. Joshua 14 and verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. I want to tell you, friend, this morning, if you were here with me, I would get everyone to repeat that phrase. The Lord has kept me alive. If you say that at home and you say that in your heart, but the Lord has kept me alive. I want to tell you, thank God this morning that it is the Almighty God that's kept me alive. It's God and God alone. Friend, this morning that's kept you alive. I don't care what age you are, whether you're young and you think you're doing it by your strength or whether you're old and you appreciate the fact that every day that you've been given, that it is the Lord alone that has kept you alive. He said these 40 and 5 years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And as Abraham said in Romans 4, he said, I yet am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. What's he saying? They're strong physically? Strong in himself? No. But he's strong in his faith and what God had said God was able to do. As my strength was then, that's his faith, 
Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. You see something about faith here that we don't often look at. But when there's a faith in a heart and when there's a faith in a life, time may pass, strength may go even in the natural in a body, circumstances may change, but the faith of God remains the same. It's God's faith in this heart. This faith is the same today as it was all those years ago. I'm as strong today, not in my natural man, as I was all those years ago. That's what Caleb is saying. Now therefore, because this faith is still in my life, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord speak in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord be with me. There's a key. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Now listen to those words. They're precious words. But we're seeing something of that generational faith. That faith that even though everything, everything around them was different. Even though he was surrounded by unbelief and an apostasy that was taking place amongst Israel. They were doing their own thing. They were committing fornication. They were turning into the world. They were eating and drinking, laughing and playing. They were filled with idolatry and they were turning away from the God that delivered them. But yet none of that got into Caleb because he was a man just like those deacons of that first New Testament. They were men that were full of faith and they were full of the Holy Ghost. We know that Caleb possessed another spirit. He had something different to that age. And friends, this morning, we must be something different, not in a higher way, but there has to be a people across this land today that possess the Holy Ghost and the power of God. We see him here saying that after all these years, there's been hundreds and thousands that have died. There's been all the apostasy, the backsliddenness, the darkness. But friends, after all these years, what he's saying in his heart, I'm as strong today as I was then. The Anakims are still there. The fenced cities are still there. They're great and they're mighty. But I still serve an awesome God. And if God's with me, I'm able to drive out every enemy and every giant that will come my way. I will speak to the mountains and those mountains are going to be moved. Friends, this morning he was a man that possessed another spirit. You know, you go back to Numbers 13 at that time. And you listen this morning just carefully as we're coming to a close in 10 minutes or so. But you look at this, this man, as God, had, as God had brought to God's people through Moses at that time in Numbers 13, the Lord spake to Moses and said, verse 1, Send thy men that they may search the land of Canaan. Send out men. That's what God said to Moses. We're going to take this land. I have promised you this land, but I want you to do something. Send out men to spy out that land. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, everyone a ruler among them. God would send a man. He was going to send a man in because they were taken from that tribe. That tribe had part of that inheritance and so God said, you send thou a man, pick a man from every tribe. Can I ask you this morning, friends, man and women, men and women together. But if God has and he has chosen you to be part of the kingdom for such a time as this, can God truly say and lay his hand upon your life and ask you this morning the question, what do you see? And what are we able to do? Send out a man into the darkness. Send out a man of faith, a man full of the Holy Ghost. Send out a man that's on fire for God. Send him into the darkest of night with all the spiritual wickedness and darkness. But send a man of faith and let him bring back a good report. Could God choose you? What report would you bring on the 21st of June 2020? We know that Caleb still the people before Moses and said these words, Let us 
Go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome. Why did he say that? Because he believed in the power of God's word. Now what this God said he was able to do, the same God is also able to perform it. Caleb believed God. He believed the power of God's word. He believed the promises that were in the book. And when he was sent out by Moses to spy out the land, he came back with a good report. Remember what we said. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But by it the elders obtained a good report. He brought back a good report. But the man, here's the parallel that went up with him, verse 31, said these words, We be not able to against the people, for they are stronger than we. Faith was preserved in the heart of Caleb and Joshua, even when they were ready to be killed by those men with an evil report, and God had to deliver them miraculously. They had to endure. Listen to some of these words. They had to endure. These are some things that, friends, aren't really seen so much in the church today. But they had to endure. They had to persevere. These words that people don't really know about. But friends, this is the life of faith. This is the life of a believer. And we're going to need to know what it is to endure hardships as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this world's going one way. We're not going to retrieve it and bring it back to what it was like in the garden before the fall. This world will wax worse and worse. The opposition is going to increase. The Antichrist spirit is on the rise. But friends, there's a faith that overcomes. There's a faith that takes giants on. And there's a faith that moves mountains. And that faith hasn't changed. And here we see these men going in. They persevered. They endured hardships as good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, give us soldiers that stay the course. Give us men that fight the good fight of faith. Give us men that stand up and be counted. Give us men with backbone that stand in the day of wickedness, that have convictions, that have true convictions, Holy Ghost convictions that will not be moved by the popular sway that's in the church today. But give us men of God. Give us men of faith. Give us men that believe in this cross and the blood and the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us men with a song in their heart and praise unto our God. Give us men that believe for this nation again. That believe that it's worth giving your life for. There is a cause worth dying for and it's the cause of Christ. Give us men, friends. Give us men of God in these days. Oh, friend, this morning give us people that if God lays their hand upon them and says, go into that world, that they'll go with the faith of God in their hearts and nothing else. The world will mock them and the church might even scorn them. But thanks be to God this morning that God is more than able. Faith was preserved in the heart of Caleb and Joshua to enter into all that God. Remember, they could not enter in because of their unbelief. But these men, these men here, these were men of a different type altogether. These were men with faith in their hearts. They knew what it was to endure. They weren't great men, but there was a great God that they believed in. It wasn't that they were super strong. They were weak men. They were men of like passions, but they believed in an almighty God. They believed in the power of his word. They believed that what God said he would do, that God would do it, friends. And they knew that there wasn't anything too hard for God. They knew there was giants. They knew there was mountains. They knew there was great fenced cities, but they knew there was a God that was greater than it all. Give us men like that, friends. Men that make a stand when the world's falling apart. Men that know God and they're strong and do exploits. You see, this man, Caleb, he had to endure. He had to persevere. He had to endure 
But God, and know that God's word would never fail him. He was standing on the word of God. He had heard that the word of faith had come. And he believed it in his heart. And his feet carried him through. In Deuteronomy 9. He had remembered the words that God had spoken to Israel. In Deuteronomy 9. This is what it says. O Israel. Thou art to pass over the Jordan this day. To go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. Look what God's saying. God's telling them the reality of what it is. Just like our day. Friends, fortified places of spiritual wickedness. Strongholds of the enemy. Places that are overrun by drugs and the spirit of suicide. And every demonic activity of the enemy. The pit's been opened up. And the devil's spewing out his demons all over the world. We're seeing it right at this time. Marches of Lucifer across the nation of the United States. Today they're marching. Luciferian marches today. To ask and to plead for a one world government. Surely we see as the nations are ablaze with rats. And we see nation and people against people. Friends, as the enemy is on, on, unleashing all his power on this world. But yet in the midst of it all, praise God, there's a God in heaven. And thank God that Jesus is on the throne. Thank God for the blessed Holy Spirit. Thank God for faith in God. Thank God for the power of his word. Thank God he never changes. And we see here that God explains it explicitly. There's giants in the land. And there's great and fenced cities. The people are great. They're tall. Whom you know and of whom thou hast heard say. Who can stand before the children of Anak? God told Israel. And the world are saying. Who can stand against the children of Anak? Who can stand against the spirit of Antichrist. Who can stand in this hour and this day of the backsliddenness and, the, and, and all, the, all the depravity that's sweeping in? Who can stand against that, friends? That's what God was saying. The world are saying nobody can stop us now. The liberal wing are saying we're on a rise and we're on a move. They're going to try and break down everything and bring it to nothing of everything of what was godly and God-fearing in our nations. And verse 3, the Lord says, Understand therefore this today, that the Lord thy God is he which goeth before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. He shall bring them down before thy face. So shall thy drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said unto thee. Speak not in thine heart. After that the Lord thy God has cast them out before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. But for the wickedness of these of these nations, the Lord hath driven them out from before thee. Not for your righteousness or for the righteousness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these excuse me these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee, that He may perform. Here's the key: that He may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, he's not doing it because we're great people. He's not doing it because we're so righteous and we're so holy than thou. Friends, we're saved by the grace of God. The righteousness that we have is the righteousness of Christ. And here he's speaking to them. Don't you go in and say, oh, because I'm such a great person, God's going to do this. Caleb believed that he could only do it if God was with him. We can't do anything. But friends, God's looking at people in this hour that's going to believe that word which he has, that he has spoken. He says that he may perform the word. What was that word? In Genesis 17, the Lord spake unto Abraham and said, All the land of Canaan, I'm going to give you, Abraham, as an everlasting possession. Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thy and thy seed after thee in their generations. Caleb was simply grasping up the word of truth, what was spoken to the father of the faith, the promise that God had given to his father Abraham, the promise that God had repeated through Genesis and right into Exodus, and how God would would unfold his purpose and his plan. Know all Caleb was doing? Caleb was taking up that word that was given. 
And no matter what happened, no matter what came his way, no matter how dark it got, no matter how dismal it became, he just laid hold of that old sword, the word of truth, and he stood and he believed the Lord against all the odds. He simply laid hold of the promises of God by faith. He was willing to pay whatever price he had to pay. He was willing to go wherever he needed to go. He was willing to stay wherever he needed to stay. But he was going to hold on to the word of truth. And by God's word, he was going to enter in to everything that God had for him. Joshua's final message to the children of Israel, as we looked at it last week at Shechem, was critical. Not only would he pass down a powerful message and testimony of faith and reminding them what God had done, reminding them of the great hand of the Lord, reminding them all that God had done for his people, but also what he would say to them was about a life of faith, a life of unwavering faith in a God that was able to do that which is the impossible. He said in Joshua 24, and many of us would have this scripture on our walls, but you have to remember what he's doing here and what he's saying. He's, he, he's, he's, he, as it were, he's preaching his last message. He's about to leave the scene of time. You know, God buries his workmen, but his work's going to go on. You know, God will bury his workmen if he tarries, but his work's going to go on here in Balnehinch, regardless of if I'm here or anybody's here. The work of the Lord goes on. But friends, Joshua's saying, listen, listen carefully. He's saying, we have seen the great hand of God. We have seen the miracles of what God has done. He's telling them about a way back when they went in and they spied out that land and he's testifying when they've seen the giants and they've seen the mountains and the great fenced cities. He's telling them about what happened. And he's saying, oh, listen, friends, we believe the Lord. And he brought us through that wilderness. Thousands perished and died. We've seen a falling away. But we went through that Jordan miraculously, just like he was with Moses. He's the same with me, just like he was with Joshua. He's going to be with you. And so he says, now we went in and we've seen the hand of the Lord. We've seen the miracles of God. We've seen the walls come down. God gave us the victory. And now I'm an old man and I want to tell you something. Joshua 24 and verse 15. He said, but as for me and my house, He's dying, but this is what he's saying. We're going to serve God. That's what he's saying. No matter what happens, no matter who goes, who comes, who stays, no matter who backslides, falls away, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord because he's worthy. We're going to go on in faith. We're going to go on from victory onto victory. We're going to enter into all that he has for us. Don't pull back. Don't lift the pedal of the, don't lift the, 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 the foot off the pedal, but press on in God. I believe God. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And the old man's about to die. He said, my house, you need to serve the Lord. He said, you get up with the same faith, believing in the same promises, grasping hold of the same truth, enter into the labors, you may not have labored for it, but surely there's a harvest. They that shall be of thee shall build. They that shall be of thee shall build. They that shall be of thee are going to build waste places. They're going to go and raise it up to the glory of God. Bible says this as I close. You see, this is the reality of it all, friend, this morning. In Luke 12 and 48, Jesus said these words. For unto whomsoever much is given, much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. For unto whomsoever much is given. Friends, I believe this sincerely. That never a generation, our generation, my generation, never has a generation been given more than what we have been given. Never have we been given more. I know people complain. I know people aren't happy with this, that, and the other. I know people give off about that one and this one. 
Friends, I want to tell you something. It's just better that we keep our mouths closed and serve the Lord diligently. But let me tell you something. Everything that's been given will be accounted for. And we have been given much. We certainly are the people that have been given the much more. But of him, you see, with that comes responsibility. Of him shall be much required. Friends, listen to me this morning. We have been given so much. We have been blessed beyond measure. We sing about it, but we really have. But really must know this morning, with the amount that we have been given, there's also a requirement from us. Friend, this morning God has given us so much. Is there a faith? Are we in the right generational run? A faith, I believe we are. A faith in our hearts to believe God for this day. Oh, listen, it might look the darkest in your home. It might look as dark as night. It might feel dark as night. I want to tell you something. Faith lifts our eyes beyond that darkness and sees the king of glory. Sees a God that's more than able. Maybe you're looking at something this morning and going, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Maybe you're saying this morning, somebody, somebody in a financial difficulty just going, these ends aren't going to meet. It's not going to happen. I don't know what to do. And all the darkness and the pressure of that can come in in a life. But I want to tell you something. This book tells me, and it's true, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. I want to tell you, friend, this morning we're looking at a breakthrough in this town of Balnehinch. And out that road there, down Patrick and Castlewell and down by Anna Long, Kilkeel, right round, we're seeing more than ever that there's a great need of a breath of God. I want to tell you, friend, God's looking at people of faith. Just this faith that believes in this God, that what he said he's able to do, he's able to do it. Father, this morning we give you thanks for your word, for your help, for your strength. Pray this morning for those that are challenged, those this morning that are in great need, that you would indeed come. May the faith of God flood their souls through the preaching of your word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by your word. May, Lord, you bless your word today. May there be fruit from it. May we be a people of faith, obedience and sacrifice, willing, willing, Lord, in these days to believe you. Oh, God, this morning we give you praise. We give you glory for who you are, what you mean to each of us. Bless each family today. Lord, would you bless the drive-in tonight. We pray for good weather. We pray, oh, God, that you would undertake for us. Bless those that would share and minister and in every way, Lord. Oh, God, we just pray above everything that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.